Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Guys, 2022's been a roller coaster year. So spoil her this Christmas by giving her the next best thing to wearing nothing at all. With soft, silky, naturally nude pajamas. Exclusively from Pajamagram. Sensuous and smooth, naturally nude pajamas feel just like her own bare skin. Even more alluring than lingerie. The texture and touch of these pajamas is so seductive that you'll both love the feel of them. She'll love the feeling of wearing next to nothing at all. And you'll love the way they look. Best of all, Pajamagram does the wrapping for you with free gift packaging. Order today and Pajamagram will also include a free matching naturally nude nightie with the purchase of naturally nude pajamas. That is free gift packaging and a free naturally nude nightie when you order today. Just go to Pajamagram.com. It's fast, easy, and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. That's Pajamagram.com.
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Belly Up Fantasy Live. Uh, as you can see, we have two very esteemed guests on today. Of course, we've got Chase Vernon uh, down below, as you can see Bob pointing, and Bob Lung. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, yeah, let's get into some things here. Uh, the Fantasy Football Expo coming up here in a few months. Uh, that's really exciting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. What? Two? Okay. A little under two, right? Yeah. Eight weeks. I think Brian Drake posted the other day, like eight weeks away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my brain's going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up quick. So uh, I believe all four of us will be in attendance. Obviously, I know, Bob, you will. <laughs> Maybe um, we'll see. I'm not. <laughs> I might uh, show so- up. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about it, why it's so awesome, uh, everyone from the community kind of getting it together. Uh, this will be my first year. I'm already sold on going, um, but uh, eager to learn from the man himself a, a little bit more about it. Well, it all started uh, back in 2019 when, um, I, well, it goes back farther, but I've lived in Canton, Ohio my entire life, which is going on 59 years, and um Growing up at the Hall of Fame, being right in my backyard, watching the whole Hall of Fame weekend go from a little two-day event to a five-day extravaganza with concerts and you know, you know, twenty thousand people in the in the stadium for enshrinement and you know, it's just an I watched it come this amazing thing. And but in in my mind, as I became more and more um, deeper into the fantasy football community, I always felt like. We're, we're really wasting the opportunity of not having the fantasy football community come there and enjoy the town. Um, you know, the kind of quietness, uniqueness of it. It's a pretty small town outside of hall of fame weekend. And now um, fantasy football weekend expo weekend. Uh, it, it's a very quiet hundred thousand people town. I mean, it's, you know, everybody knows everybody kind of thing. And, but in my mind, I always felt like this was the place to have it. And, uh, you know, I started the Kings Classic in 2018, which brought the best of the best to Canton to draft at the Pro Football Hall of Fame live on Sirius XM. And then once I had those guys committed to that um, and they liked the idea of doing it and coming every year, I said, well, why don't we just add an expo the next day? Let's throw a party. Let's, you know, let's let's make this into, you know, uh, they call uh, Hall of Fame weekend football's greatest weekend and now we're going to call this fantasy football's greatest weekend and it just blew up i mean 2019 was the first year i had it we had like 75 people i was happy that we got that many i thought it was cool uh 2020 of course didn't exist in anybody's life so we go to 2021 and it just kept growing and growing and growing and you know a combination of people cooped up for a year and a half and and vaccinations being around to kind of help us feel better about being together. And boom, we had 500 people show up. Uh, this year, we're hoping for more. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Cost of travel is causing a little bit of problems with some people. Uh, and I get it. Um, but 
you know, we hope it'll be bigger. We, we assume it'll be bigger and better uh, between 500 and 1,000. We'll see how it all ends up down the road. Uh, they're starting to pick up again. But it was really just about bringing my two favorite communities together, Canton, Ohio, and the fantasy football community. Um, and it went off even better than I could imagine. And Chase, you were there last year, correct? Yeah, it was sick. It was so much fun. Um, so I, I got a lot of over to Chase because I'm biased, right? I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I'm still in awe that that many people came. And 70% of them came from out of state. I think that's the most amazing thing. It's like it wasn't like a bunch of people from Northeast Ohio. It was people from all over. We had people from Hawaii. We had people from Mexico. Uh, this year we got some people coming over from Ireland. We've got – you know, Canada couldn't even make it last year. Nobody from Canada made it except yeah, for they had a Matt Donnelly. This year, Canada's open, so now they're going to get to come down. So um, it's just just blown into something amazing. So I'm going to turn it over to Chase because I want, you know, the <laughs> non-biased. I'm putting it on. Of course, yeah. it's fantastic. But Chase, why don't you tell me what you thought from the outsider looking in, what you felt was so good and unique about it? And by the way, Matt Donnelly came out. It took him a minute to get out here. And I think he had a uh, pain in the ass going home as well, <laughs> trying yeah, to get yeah. home. And so he yeah. went through it all. And he's like, I'm still going to do it. Like, I'm still yeah, down, man. Did. It was that much fun. It really was, like, that much fun. It, everything that you put together, Bob, from, you know, the hotels and everything that we did, like, through the events. And, I mean, the – the uh, what are they called? Where the people go up and they have the – the, the conversations in front of everybody. Oh, the panel discussions. The panels, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the panel discussions were excellent. Like, you had some of the best in the industry come through and actually speak on to, you know, what everybody kind of wants to hear and that you see on Twitter, but a lot of things get passed over. And when you hear it in person, certain things start to click that you never even realized before. So it's a whole different animal. And then when you get, get to have the conversations with some of the experts and whatnot, it, it just creates a whole, you know, different feeling you know about fantasy football and and almost like a sense of confidence to an extent because you did actually learn some stuff that you can apply but it's awesome if you're also trying to get into the industry right and you're trying to learn how to write you're trying to learn how to, to podcast you're trying to do different things because you can actually ask those questions that not many people have answers to and i mean dude because of because of the expo that's why i'm working and have a full-time job in the industry now is because i linked up with with Matt Walsh over there with trophy smack. And he gave me an opportunity to, to do this full time. Like I would have never, never had this chance. Like we ended up running into each other. We had a great time. We, we connected. And because of the expo, I now have a full time in this industry and I don't have to bartend anymore. So it, you know, it's a whole <laughs> right. different animal. I, I was bartending for 10 years, just to give you a heads up. Was, you know, it, it's That's something right. I love doing, but you know, I love fantasy football a little more. Well, that's no. actually a fantastic segue because I wanted to jump and see, uh, hear you talk a little bit about Trophy Smack. Obviously, you kind of balance things over there, right? You're doing some some content, some social, uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. So the cool thing with Trophy Smack was like, uh, you know, and we talked about the expo, I ran into Matt and I was like, so you probably only sell trophies, you know, a couple months a year, which isn't really the case because he sells it for basketball. He sells it for baseball, you know, sells it for corporate awards, like pretty much anything. Father's Day. We had a huge, huge Father's Day over there for Trophy Smack because we had these custom belts where you could put a picture of like, you know, you and your kid or you and your family into the belt. And the way that they do the custom designs over there is absolutely insane. Like mm -hmm. it's intense the way they, they do these custom designs. Uh, it looks so good. Like the, the pictures that we got from it, it was really cool. Just the joy that, that we got from that. But going back to it, I mean, 
we primarily do football stuff. Like that's how, you know, we're making a big, the, the fantasy football industry is our number one, you know, target market, of course. And, you know, we wanted to offer something because you sell a lot of trophies in August. You sell a lot of trophies in January, February. You don't really sell too many trophies because it's not really on people's minds. So we wanted to be able to engage with the community a little bit more often, you know, have a connection with the community where they don't feel like we're just trying to sell trophies. Like we're actually, you know, trying to offer advice. We're trying to help everybody else out. But we're also here to have fun. Like we have plenty of smack talk over there. Our, our sub brand name over there is the smack zone where we're just smack talking all the time. You know, we're not trying to compete with companies like Fantasy Pros. We're not trying to compete with ESPN. We're trying to have fun with our analysis where we don't have to bring up a bunch of, you know, minute analytics and stuff. We just want to tell you which players to play to beat your opponent's asses. So, you know, that's that's essentially where I came from and my pitch to Matt. And Matt loved it. Uh, we took off with it right off the bat. We now have, if you guys know him, Daddy's Home FF. We have Cooter Doodle over there writing for us. Nice. Uh, Ian Hartitz is doing our, our uh, Off the Ropes. We have Sal Lita who runs the Podathon. Uh, he's helping out with Off the Ropes. I mean, it's literally like a star-studded cast over there. Shane Manila, uh, Nate Thomas is doing our, our images. Like, we have a full squad over there. And last year, we kind of just rolled out slowly. Like, we were taking our time with it. We wanted to test the market a little bit. And we got such a great response come around February March when there was nothing else to find. And people were still finding articles. And like, hey, this is actually something I can read and enjoy that doesn't have, you know, every analytical number backed up by every reason why they think a player can succeed. Like, these articles are actually fun. So we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep on pushing forward with that. And, of course, we're going to keep making these these championship trophies. Like the one you can see behind me, I mean, this thing is literally five feet tall. I'm not even kidding you. This thing <laughs> they is are bad massive. That's well. awesome. I got a belt right here. Here, check this out. Got a belt right here, but like this isn't one of the custom belts. This is one of the the ones that you can pre-order if you don't want to throw something on here. This thing is like eight, ten pounds, something like that. It's heavy. <laughs> like right. they're very heavy. They are. Yeah, it, it's it, they're massive. So uh, you know they did some stuff for the King Classic over there for the expo, right? Sure we did, did the title belts yeah. over there. So it's just been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun rolling this this place out. And Trophy Smack has been you know great to me and great to the other uh, writers and, and content providers over there. Well, we actually just added on a TikTok person who we will be announcing awesome. on in July, who is, you know, that I look TikTok really forward to it. Fun. I'm sorry? <laughs> Matt in TikTok? That's oh, yeah. Oh. Matt is doing our whole TikTok. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, Matt, yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not even on TikTok. I'm going to join and only subscribe to him only. I don't <laughs> know if the community guidelines would allow Matt to have a TikTok solely, you know, just his stuff. So Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, we had to bring in somebody else because I don't think Matt would work out too well. <laughs> that would be banned quickly. But be hilarious in the process. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, well, it, it really feels like, uh, first of all, hearing uh, how you got your job through the expo, that's amazing. Uh, but what really feels like the common denominator here is how like awesome the, the community as a whole is, uh, you know, being able to, to, you know, bring everyone together in March, being able to all come together in August at the expo. Uh, all of these things are super, super awesome. And again, I can't wait to meet everyone uh, in what you say, eight weeks? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yes. Yes. Woo! Eight short weeks. Um, but and we'll jump back to a couple of these things later on, and there's so much more to talk about. Uh, but let's get straight into some fantasy football, shall we? Uh, oh, so we talk fantasy football on the show. Yeah, it's gonna be Ooh. super exciting. Ugh, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, we wanted to try with something a little bit more. Um, I don't know, interesting in the the dead of the summer, right? And do something a little bit 
not necessarily super, super evergreen, because that's just not how the space uh, always tends to work out for podcasts. But something that information will be valuable in perpetuity, not necessarily this information dies a month from now or a week from now or what have you. Um, so uh, what we wanted to do was go into how we can strategize our drafts, what strategies works, how what are the, the predominant strategies. So what I wanted to start asking you, start with asking you guys was, do you have a strategy that you go into with every single draft or is it kind of dictated what your starting spot is? Um, <laughs> yes, we're going to pump this guide a couple times. That's my strategy. Here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It wins plenty uh, of these. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but for instance, I know a lot of people are super into either avoiding or all in on running backs early. Uh, for example, I, I know, uh, you know, <laughs> going running back early and getting receivers a little bit later was awesome last year, but it, some years it, you know, may not be like that. So what are your guys' strategies normally? Chase. All right. So the thing with strategies is it all depends on, you know, what kind of league you play in. Like if you're treating your, your fantasy pro or your fantasy football teams as a portfolio, right. Where you have 30 teams, that's a lot different um, from having two to three teams. And then also when you end up having a big money league, that's also way different than playing in a $50 league. So like playing 500 bucks, thousand bucks, you know, entry fee per person. It's a lot different. Sometimes you have to, you know, try and, and, mix some stuff up and do stuff that you might not do in other drafts for the bigger money ones. Um, if you have bigger fields like the Scott Fishbowl, for example, where obviously we're not playing for money over there, but you want to try and diversify your, your portfolio or trying, I'm sorry, trying to diversify your lineup to make it different from any other lineup, then, you know, you might want to do a few things different. Uh, for me personally, I have my guys and I try to stick into the ADPs and do tier based drafting. Uh, I've been on tier-based drafting forever. So, uh, for example, the difference for me between getting, I don't know, um, a Najee Harrison, Dalvin Cook, and redraft, uh, like I don't care which guy I end up with. So if I'm on a turn, right, and I have the 10th overall pick, let's just say, and there's one wide receiver left, let's say Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, and he's sitting there at 10 for me. Meanwhile, there's like four guys in the same tier running back where I don't care which one I end up with because they all are in the same tier for me. I want to make sure that I take that wide receiver who's still in the first tier and then let one of those running backs fall back to me. And, and typically this is how I try to navigate the entire draft. You know, tier-based drafting is something that I feel like is new to the community, but it really shouldn't be that new because, I mean, I've been doing my rankings for about five years now and my rankings have always been in tiers. It's like I really – the outcomes, range of outcomes for these players where it's the floor and the ceiling are pretty much right around the same range. So I really don't care which guy I end up with. And, you know, let's be honest, like we can sit there and try to predict every last little metric, every last, you know, little statistic. But for us to, to sit there and act like we know exactly what's going to happen and we can tell the future between a guy like Najee Harris and Dalvin Cook, who, in my opinion, have very similar outcomes. You know, they could both see some targets. They could both see some some rushing attempts, you know, both have poor defenses to an extent, so we're going to have to see some scoring on the side. You know, like it, it's it's something as to where like it, it's almost asinine, and I hate using that word sometimes, uh, but I feel like it's asinine to try and, and say, hey, this guy is definitely ranked above this guy when they have very, very similar outlooks. Now, if you believe in a guy like, for example, DeAndre Swift, I know he's not very high up in 
you know, a lot of people's rankings. But if you believe in a guy, put him in that tier. Don't rely on other people's tiers to tell you how you feel. But when it comes to, to you know, trying to predict a very minuscule difference and being like, oh, this guy's definitely going to be better than this guy by 15 points <laughs> across the <laughs> end of the season. Like, that's just – it's just ridiculous to me. Okay. Yeah, no, that's – Really good insight, uh, just kind of being patient in your drafts. Uh, Bob, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot what uh, Chase said makes a lot of sense. And I do, uh, so my rankings are tier-based as well. Um, but, of course, mine has that consistency twist in it. So I may have a guy a little higher, a little lower, because I don't see the, con- you know, there hasn't been the consistency or I don't see the consistency coming. Some guys are just inconsistent every year, like a Tyler Lockett. Um, so those are the kind of guys that I would certainly have at a different level, but they could still be in the same tier, maybe just a little bit higher or lower. Um, but, you know, like Chase said, you, you just have to go with the flow. Um, and, and it depends where you pick, what your league setting is, the people you're drafting against. I mean, every time you go into a draft, I feel like it's a di- it's not a it's not a different strategy. It's just you d- you, you have to kind of just be ready to do whatever you need to do. I mean, I just did the FSGA draft. It was 14 teams. Um, you know, the back end was uh, uh, Scott Engel, Howard uh, Howard Bender, Adam Ronis, and myself were between 8, 10, 12, and 14 pick. So I know that if I don't get this guy now, it's Howard's either going to get him or Adam's <laughs> going to get him or, you know. So, again, whole different world when you're, when you're going against a bunch of people like that versus your hometown people you, you kind of know what you're getting there. So, um, you know, I just kind of, like you said, do the tiers, use the consistency data. Um, and that's why I always tell people like, look, my magazine is not the end all get your stuff from whatever site you like, whether it's Yahoo, ESPN, football, you know, football guys, fantasy alarm, you know, whatever, then just get the guide and then use that consistency information to kind of make the, the tweaks between those tiers within those tiers of who you want a little higher, a little lower. That's what I've always used, and it's it's been worked out pretty well for me. Can I can I add something to Bob's point as well when it comes yeah. to consistency? So in the first three rounds, I feel like you can absolutely like I don't think you can win your draft necessarily in the first three rounds because I think league winners come in like rounds five through right. ten or absolutely. even later. Um, you know, even five is kind of early to be a league winner, but Cooper Cup was definitely a league winner for some, so right. I'll leave him in there. Um, however, you can lose your drafts in rounds one through three, Absolutely. you could take a guy who sure Christian McCaffrey is all the upside in the world to become the RB one, but you're drafting him at RB four five. Is there really that big of a discrepancy as to where the RB four five ends up being versus the RB one? Yes, there are times that it happens, but I don't think it's as big a discrepancy as what you could end up losing. I think you lose a lot more often in the first three rounds than you end up winning. So I'd like to be safer uh, to Bob's consistency point in the first three rounds, and then mm-hmm. you know go from there after that. Well, and I think injuries play a different play a big factor too. You were talking about Do- Najee Harris versus Dalvin Cook. You know, yeah, true. right now you're going to lean towards Najee Harris not because he'll score more points, but he probably won't miss four games, three to four games like Dalvin Cook does every year, and he'll year. play Week 17. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, and all those things make a difference, and then that's what you got to you know. That's what goes in. That's the fun of doing all this, right? Absolutely, uh, Chris. What what are you thinking? I mean, uh... oh, I think I think both you know gentlemen are definitely on the on the page that I would believe, and I, I would tears, and I also have you know the consistency is very important to me as well. And part of me finding that consistency is that 
the fantasy matches the football. And that's a big thing for me and, you know, in, in general, that when you are looking at what you see versus what you're kind of reading in, in um, you know, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Chase kind of alluded to this before about, you know, the statistics being kind of overwhelming or analytics and people throwing numbers, numbers at you. Sometimes there's numbers that are thrown at you that don't really mean something versus what you see at the eye test or a scheme or how kind of the, the, the season unfolded. You know, the team stink most of the year, so they threw the ball, you know, 100 more times than they typically would. So those things kind of to me are the first things I kind of look for to find that consistency and kind of those, set those tiers. And I, I think that both people are, you know, both gentlemen are both on the page with, that you got to kind of trust what your board is. I'm not a big a person on it trying to read the room necessarily. If there's a guy that you value, that you like, that is kind of your guy, that can be the league winner sometimes for you. So sometimes you might not kind of trust your gut on those things. Now, having said that, don't be let the room kind of, you know, push you in a direction either. Um, I agree that, the, you know, the draft's kind of its own beast in a sense, as Bob kind of alluded to, that each draft kind of has its own, you know, makeup as he kind of unfolds. But part of that, I also think, is not overreacting to things. And if there's value, taking the value, sticking to your board, or sticking to your value and those tiers. If there's a running back run and, you know, you're, you're reaching where the third round, you know, a running back, take that best receiver. If there's a Maury Cooper or there's a Cooper Cup or somebody had fallen down, Just Jefferson falling on the board, don't reach for that second or third tier running back because you're desperate. Because a lot of times you're going to find you're going to want something into that guy maybe seventh, seventh, eighth round and winds up being just a serviceable. On the flip side, I'm not big on this, you know, waiting for the running back to kind of fall into your lap and this, the no running backs, you know, schemes or the no receivers or no quarterbacks. And I do ultimately, and I'll, you know, kind of go to you, Adam, I do value the quarterback position because to me, part of the most consistent position that you can have on your fantasy team is what you get out of your quarterback position week in, week out. So I value those a little higher than a lot of people will. And I try to ensure that I will go maybe a little higher to make sure I get a good one. And if I do not land kind of like my top tier guys, then I'm going to have two or three quarterbacks. Well, some people might have the roster spots at something else. I'm always kind of, as Chase kind of alluded to, playing safe in a sense. If I'm going to take a Christian McCaffrey or I'm going to take an extra quarterback that I'm taking a shot on, I'm going to have a backup later on in the rounds where I'm kind of trying to prepare for that down the road. So for me, it's kind of strategizing with your roster as you're kind of, you know, as it unfolds, having backups or guys that have upside or different things. So you can kind of use your lineup to see how things unfold down the season, um, you know, down the road. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. It's super valuable to, um, you know, if you're playing a super safe early, then you get to take your your gambles late, or or vice versa, just depending on how you're you're. If you're being super super risky with it, then you take your risks early and you you try to play a safe later. Uh, normally the first one, but it, it, to your point, Chase uh, earlier, some of those higher money leagues sometimes you have to do things a little bit differently to kind of get an edge, or when you're trying to diversify or or, or what have you. Um, Bob, you brought up the name Tyler Lockett, and that's actually someone that, as I'm sure you, you've read, uh, I put in the notes as, as an example for how you guys uh, use a, a previous season or a couple previous seasons to your advantage when circumstances completely change. Uh, so, for example, a Gabe Davis. When fantasy football didn't matter, he popped the crap off, and we're, we're still talking about it, right? Or Tyler Lockett who was already inconsistent as all crap, but at least his full seasons were good. We've seen a bunch of good full seasons from him, and now what are we looking at as far as his offense? Um, So how much of it is balancing this new situation is amazing versus everything's different (laughs) or the the, uh, past seasons had been, you know, great? Chase, I'm sure, and Chris, I'm sure we'd all agree, this has to be the – craziest wildest offseason we've seen 
and I've been watching football for a long time. Oh yeah, it's only going to get crazier. So <laughs> There's so many people, players that have changed teams that it's almost. It, there's very few teams that you can say, hey, there wasn't any changes from the year before or significant changes. Actually, right. Buffalo is kind of one of them. Um, <laughs> you know, the only real change is, you know, Jameson Crowd is going to take over for Cole Beasley. Um, Not beyond that, James Cook fan. Being, huh? <laughs> Not if you're a James Cook fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so we do have James Cook coming in as a rookie, and I get that, you know. Um, there's a lot of love for him. But, again – I think there's just it, it, it's it's easier when there's not much changes to the team. Certainly, um, you know the consistency makes it difficult. You know, um, you know Tyler Lockett has never been consistent, so I'm never worried about him. But what I'm worried worried about is like a DK Metcalf, you know, who has been consistent for three straight years with Russell Wilson. Has always been, you know, he may not even score as many points as Lockett, but he's always right up there at 75, 80, 85 percent. Can he do that with Drew Locke? Doubtful. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of changes this year. Um, I've definitely adjusted my rankings more than I ever have. Um, looking at last year, I really don't know if it does much of anything. I mean, um, there's things we can put into play. I mean, we, we can see a Mike McDaniel going to Miami who had Debo Samuel. Now he has Ty- Tyreek Hill. So there's some consistency in, in, in coaching and schemes and offensive coordinators. Um, certainly some of that that we look at, but definitely nothing like we've ever seen. So I think this year is definitely one of the most difficult to predict um, from a consistency standpoint. But I've certainly taken a lot of information and put that together when I'm writing up the profiles and doing the rankings. But I don't it, it's not a cut and dry like it has been many many years in the past so it's interesting right you brought up tyler lockett and uh tyler lockett is a different case because i actually went back and i charted my starts versus sits for tyler lockett and my estimated points per week and russell wilson actually does an excellent job of finding open receivers he knows who's going to be open before they're even open and they have a game plan for it every single week. And Pete Carroll is actually really good with that. Uh, you know, when he's observing the the head coach or the offensive coordinator room, when they're doing the plays for the, for the week. And he knows when offensive coordinators just are not in, in sync with the quarterback and with Russell Wilson. Cause I think Russell Wilson has been smarter than every other offensive coordinator I've had right. uh, to that point. The only ones that I actually got wrong was when uh, Tyler Lockett, I think two years ago, he ended up having to go to the hospital for like a blood clot or something like that or a shin. Mm-hmm. If I remember yeah. right. And he ended up having two off weeks in like a five week span where he was not healthy. Uh, outside of that, you could really tell. So Tyler Lockett, I think, should be more consistent this season just because Drew Locke isn't as good of a quarterback. We look at guys like Aaron Rodgers, right? Like you can tell when MBS was going to go off or at least when, when Aaron Rodgers was going to target MBS because he did have so many drops. Um, <laughs> you know, you could tell with certain players, like, which weeks you wanted to play him, but you had to be DFS style, you know, like savvy. Like, you had to really look into it. So for the average fan, they're never going to no. see that stuff. Right. However, I'm glad that you asked the question, like, as a whole, because I actually have an article coming out, which I can't announce who it's for yet. Uh, it's, it's for a magazine that I'm very excited to write for. And what I did was actually broke down uh, players over the past 10 years. And I did, I think I charted 28 different players whose head coaches changed, but whose situation remained the same. So I did guys like um, 
Pierre Garçon, right? Who ended up having RG3 still with a little bit of Kirk Cousins in there. You had Shanahan change over to Jay Gruden. And Pierre Garçon needed to be the focal point of an offense that optimized the play-action fake and used a lot of two tight end sets uh, off slant routes. Because guess what? He couldn't get separation <laughs> if he wasn't doing <laughs> slant routes. And he had to be the primary target in that offense to be valuable because he was used a very similar way in San Francisco, but he was not the primary target, so he never was optimized. Um, you had other players... Uh, who were the other two? It's been a few weeks. I can't remember. But I ended up breaking it down to like Kadarius Tony, Jalen Waddle. Although Jalen Waddle did see Tyreek Hill added afterwards. And honestly, like you have to look at the scheme and you have to look at that. And I think Chris actually alluded to that earlier. You know, looking at the scheme and looking at the the players and their situations and seeing how it affects it. Um, you know, for example, Kadarius Tony is joining a Brian Dable offense where they would take a player of Kadarius Tony's abilities and actually put him on the outside, although he has not played outside. Last year, he saw two targets, I believe, of 40 yards or 20 yards or more. Um, There's only two of them that were actually on target. The other two were not on target. Both of the two that were on target were contested, and he came down with both of those catches. So is there a chance that in Brian Dable's offense where he wants to spread things out to give more rushing opportunities? Because guess what? Brian Dable's actually had beast rushers like it's been insane how great brian because we we've seen singletary right we've seen zach moss and and those are the only two that have actually failed as rushers in this offense but they actually weren't that bad in terms of efficient efficiency metrics when they were combined but he has had some excellent some excellent rushers throughout his offensive coordinator stints so are they going to try and spread it out give saquon barkley work and then also work Darius tony on the outside more often are they going to still leave Kadarius Tony in situations where he can still see targets on, uh, from the slot? I, I think that's something as to where like you need to pay attention to certain schemes and certain situation changes because there were some of them where I did not like. And I wish that I remembered off the top of my head exactly who those were. Um, though Jacksonville is one of them. Jacksonville receivers didn't like any of those guys coming to Jacksonville. Uh, new head coach in. Obviously, LaVisca Chenault was there. Uh, that was more of a situational change with Zay Jones and all this stuff, but Doug Peterson has never had a wide receiver lead the team in receiving, or at least receptions. Um, never had a wide receiver in, what, six or seven years of you know coaching and, and being the offensive mind over there. So, uh, you know, I don't like anybody from, from Jacksonville whatsoever. But paying attention to those schemes, I think, is immensely important. I, I like that. Uh, one name I wanted to bring up just because he is – like the darling of fantasy football Twitter, especially before uh, a particular move, which will make sense here in a second. Marquise Brown had a jarring situation change. Someone I loved, it seems like Chase probably also loved, (laughs) going to go out on the limb there and say. um, Situation completely changes. So how do you take that aspect, right? Because we love him because he's this freaking target hog. But if it's coming from a same person, or a different person rather, you know, how, how do you adjust for that? I still love him, but I, I'm curious to hear. Uh, we'll, we'll go after that reaction. We're definitely going to go to you, Chase, but Chris. Yeah, do go to Chase first, because if not, it'll explode. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might explode like Marquise Brown this year. Uh, Marquise Brown is one of those receivers that actually has uh, a wide receiver, the wide receiver one finish um, overall throughout the season this year. And uh, it, a lot of people forget that they played together in college, and that's where he was wildly efficient. That's where both of them made their names for themselves. Um, but Kyler Murray completed the most amount of 20-yard passes downfield last season 
uh, air yards downfield last season, while he also ended up having the highest completion rate of throws 20 yards or more last season. He did that with Christian Kirk. He did that with a hurt DeAndre. I mean, like, that's incredible. I mean, this guy is a literal downfield machine because they have to play the safeties up to defend up against the rush. You know, you have to put a spy on him at all times. That leaves a lot of outside one-on-one coverage. But, I mean, think about his receivers. Christian Kirk's a slot guy that was used as a long slot, and then he ended up taking over as the wide receiver one. They had uh, – uh, what's the big idea? Oh, AJ Green, of course. Uh, Wesley, right? Yeah, Wesley. Who was a big target. I mean, but honestly, like, this guy was overly accurate in terms of, you know, air yards of 20-yard passes more. Now he goes with Marquise Brown, who is the king of, you know, getting deep downfield and, and catching some amazing balls. Yeah, sure, he ended up having some drops, some brutal drops. I'll never forget that game where he had three downfield drops because it killed me in DFS that week. I, I think I would have won a million dollars, you know, just like we all would have won, you know, <laughs> that happened. But um, no, it, it, it's it's going to be an insane hookup. They already have the chemistry. Uh, this is the perfect uh, system for Marquise Brown, who should be playing out of the slot, similar to Christian Kirk, but who also could see targets close to the line of scrimmage. It's disappointing because I'm such a big Rondell Moore fan. But Marquise Brown should be the league targeter on this. AJ Brown, AJ Brown, you know, one more year older. Uh, you know, like I said, Wesley earlier. Like, there's there's no real targets over there. Maybe Zach Hurts. Zach Hurts gets some targets. Maybe. Zach Hurts will definitely get more targets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he got a lot of targets last year when Hopkins was out, and they were kind yeah. of relying on him in those, yeah. in those games. So I could definitely see him Hurts benefiting. I just don't know how you don't have Marquise Brown as a top 15 wide receiver this year in redraft, uh, possibly top 10. Um, I, I'm drafting right around like wide receiver 11 or 12 because I want to make sure I get him, but I don't want to make sure mm-hmm. I, I reach too far. Otherwise, I'd be taking him top 10 every time. <laughs> All right, Chris, what are your, your thoughts on that situation? Again, just a big, a big change. Oh, and by the way, he only yeah. played 13 games last season. He, he did all that. He had the most downfield completions or on-target passes – downfield above 20 yards um in 13 games sorry <laughs> i love it love no it. i think i mean i think marquise brown is definitely a guy who i've always kind of liked and thought was kind of underutilized the greg roman system i think you will be freed in this system he did play with Kyler Murray in oklahoma so they are familiar with each other i don't necessarily think he's gonna play a lot in the slot so that part i disagree i don't necessarily you know agree with I do think he's going to see plenty of targets, though. Uh, I think there's going to be plenty of targets for him and more. I think both those guys are guys you you like to have in your your, your lineups. Ertz is continuing to eat. He got paid decent money this year, um, so they're going to have him for at least another year or two for the young kid takes over there. So I think we look at Arizona as an offense in general. When you go from a team that's going to throw the ball majority of the time, you know, 60-40 at least, or 65-35, I mean, from a team that basically was the opposite in the Ravens, I think you're looking at, you know, fantasy numbers are going to kind of follow that. When Marquise Brown was utilized and, you know, featured in the offense, he used to put up big numbers. The only concern I would have for him, you know, being a top 10 or top 15 would be, does he get the touchdowns? Because that does some work. Kyle Murray kind of struggles getting the touchdowns, you know, and through the passing through the air. And then you also have some other mouths to feed. So that's the only thing maybe, maybe knocks Marquise Brown a little bit. But I do think there's opportunities when guys move on. I think, like, looking at Al Roberts is a guy for me who's going to be definitely don't look at what happened last year in Chicago versus what's going to happen for him on the Rams. You saw OBJ basically get his career written off by a lot of people. But then suddenly when you play the good quarterback and a good scheme, you, you rediscover what you can do. So I think those things do definitely do matter. Opportunity does matter. Um, A.J. Brown and some of those guys, Tyree Kill, I do go with more track records. What kind of player are you? And, you know, what's, the, what's kind of the the – 
people go to draft capital a lot. What's the kind of investment that people are putting into you? So usually when you pay a top tier receiver, they're going to figure out how to get you the ball, especially that first year. So that's what I kind of follow along with too as well. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Like at the end of the day, football is both a sport and a business if you're spending that kind of money on someone. Uh, and also that draft capital, it, it absolutely, uh, you're going to use <laughs> use that. Um, I, I also liked that you brought up James Cook because I want to talk about how you guys treat rookies in redraft because that's a kind of comes along with uh, the different situations. But at the same time, obviously, uh, Bob, you can't pull any inconsistency from uh, their what they can do at the NFL level. Uh, it, it can be really interesting because on occasion you can find some guys who will light up your leagues, like Jamar Chase last year, for instance. You know, if you happen to draft around, and we'll get into draft time, but if you happen to draft around when he was getting the drop season preseason, you got incredible, incredible value there. Uh, so, yeah, how do you guys treat rookies? All right, I'll go first to get it out of the way because then you know, I, I know everybody else loves rookies. Um, <laughs> it's not that I hate rookies. Everybody says, oh, you hate rookies because you don't draft them because there's no consistency. That's not not entirely true. Um, <laughs> but I do an article every year, and I have did uh, this data. Since 2010, there have been 482 uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends drafted in the first four rounds only. Of those – about 10% of them earned over a 60% consistency rating in their rookie season, which means 90% of them did not. Um, Therefore, usually, unless, and again, there's rarities. I mean, we all knew what we were going to get with Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Jamar Chase. um, Kyle Pitts last year was the first tight end to be over 60% in over six years. Um, there's certainly situations that rookies are in the right spot, the right time with the right talent. But the numbers show that when you start looking at these guys as maybe your wide receiver three or four, and you're really going to count on them 90% of the time, these guys aren't, aren't pulling their weight on your fantasy teams. Um, maybe they will late in the year. Most of the time they're not good, you know, but a lot of times you draft them, they stink for the first five or six weeks to get used to the NFL and you drop them and then they go off. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my feeling. That's my numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I like a James cook? Absolutely do. You know, there are certain players that I think are in the right spots that can get some numbers this year. Um, it's just a question of, do you want to draft them and how long do you wait before you start and that kind of stuff. But that's my thoughts. 
No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, especially these last two years, it's felt like when I jump into my redrafts or even like uh, I'm looking at ADP, there's some rookies even at the top end where I'm like, I love you as a prospect, like absolutely love you. And I think you can be great round one. It's like the hype from you being the most recent person in the news can sometimes push you a little bit where it's like, I think you can be great for fantasy football, but I don't know if you're outperforming some of these guys with proven track records. Um, yeah. Chase, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, outside of Marquise Brown, who we just talked about, that's, that's the case for a lot of these, these rookies, they come out and they suck right off the bat. Um, but at the same time, like you get such values on them and over the past, what, three or so years, we've seen a significant uptick in the success rate of rookies uh, right off the bat. And I think that has to do with a lot of the development going into private schools and into private training camps where agents are finding kids in high school. And <laughs> I know it's illegal, but they're pretty much buying their way into these these camps that are making these wide receivers so much more successful. Plus, wide receivers are making bank, and they have been making bank for the past about six or so years. Uh, I think Julio Jones, like the first big contract, if I remember correctly, where it was like, oh, this guy's making money. So guess what parents do? They're watching the money. They're seeing their kids come up in high school and they're making sure they're wide receivers. They're not cornerbacks anymore. They're not running backs anymore. They're not tight ends anymore. They're wide receivers. So these kids are now getting trained at wide receivers at the wide receiver position since they were 14 years old. More players, more development, more opportunities for talent, more opportunities for hits. And then you start to see them filter through in college. And that's when you actually start seeing a higher hit rate from the rookie wide receivers. You see better route running because they're trained, such as Terry McLaurin. Uh, you see uh, better opportunity, breakaway speed, like we have from Jamar Chase, where, yeah, he might not have run the best 40 in the world, but, dude, that 40 was great. He's able to break away like he did in the, the Kansas City game, which comes mm-hmm. to mind. Um, you know, it, it, we're just seeing a different level of talent from the wide receiver position from the rookie season on that I think we've ever seen before in the NFL. And it's something as to where I avoided rookies in most drafts. I didn't want to draft them because maybe one out of five or six, you know, early rookie wide receivers actually hit. Meanwhile, maybe two out of six rookie running backs, you know, hit that were drafted early. Now it's like, okay, you actually have to open your eyes. You have to look at the system and the scheme, which we talked about earlier. How's this player fit? Is he going to be, you know, a stud? And do you want to waste a draft pick on him? You know, it's tough to sit there and say you don't want to after what you've seen over the past three years or so. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, Justin uh, Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know. 
So, Chris, who who would be in this draft? I know I'm trying to more or less not get too crazy about just this year, but uh, who would be those guys for you this year that you think can actually be good value at where they're going up top? Well, I do think there's more increasingly, you know, transferable skills. And I think it's also to do with the play calling and just the schemes in general. We see a lot more of the college scheme in the NFL game. The translation is easier for a lot of these players. They're not asked to do nearly as much. The patterns are different. The ball is kind of manufactured with the RPO action, things like along those lines. You can manufacture guys' touches. So the receivers, I do think, the top-tier guys are people I'm especially watching this year. Drake London is a guy at the top of my board. Uh, opportunity meets, you know, reality in the sense. A guy who's six foot five plays a slot receiver, Always big on slot receivers, particularly on bad offenses or bad teams. They usually get peppered with targets because they fall down big time and the guy gets the ball thrown to him. So those things help. Um, look at the Kyle Pitts, you know, kind of pairing with him. That also helps kind of keep safety attention off, helps keep the linebackers. So you're going to get mismatches. And then you have a guy in your quarterback position, whether it's Mariota or the young kid Ritter. It's not going to really necessarily matter. Guys are going to look for kind of their security blanket. So we saw Cooper Cup kind of be Matthew Stafford's Cooper, you know, security blanket. Not to say Drake London is going to be put to those same numbers, but a lot of his skill set reminds me what Cooper Cup can do, and he has a bigger body in a sense as well. We saw Chase Claypool dominate with a big body in the red zone. So you put all those things together. That's a guy I love this year. Um, some of the guys on the flip side, though, that I do have a little interpretation on some of the, you know, do they come in with talent meets kind of opportunity? Is oh, Gabe Wilson, for example, for the Jets? I love the Jets guys. Bryce Bryce Hall as well. Bryce Hall as well. Bryce Hall as well. Um, but <laughs> I can say that yeah, it's mouthful. Um, but I, I think both those guys have kind of you know with the system with some of the mouths to feed might find a hard time to kind of meet those consistent players you want to have in a lineup, or you might not know how to play them. Uh, for example, like Adam, you know, talked a lot last year about Elijah Moore, a guy you absolutely love. I like a lot too. Well, where does he, Wilson, and Barrios play? And they add, you know, different guys in the equation. Oh, they busted Corey Davis. Oh, so they had two tight ends. Oh, they had three running backs. So when you still look at all the mouths of feed with our young quarterback, suddenly you don't want to necessarily spend the draft capital where some of these guys might go. So I think there's a lot of top-tier guys you're keeping your eye on. And then you're looking for some of those guys, you know, opportunity meets reality, but not meeting, um, you know, reacting too much to the the hype in a sense. So, I'll give you an easy example. The Chiefs receiver position, because they drafted a receiver, everybody's like, oh, that's the guy that you have to have. Is it? Start looking at some of the things around it. Is it the guy that's kind of be the top of your board? Or is it going to be some of that people are kind of projecting just because there seems to be an opportunity there that might not be necessarily manufacture itself early in the season? The uh, Chiefs kind of a, a complex passing scheme, so usually rookies don't kind of hit the ground running. Um, so just kind of keeping those things in mind when you're kind of picking these rookies. Yeah, that's a really great point, especially with the Chiefs. I mean, I think that's certainly a situation where uh, you could see a lot of guys be not quite, you know, have good volume, but not enough volume to be super fantasy viable. Um, It it could be one of those. We've got a couple guys in the 500 to 700 mark, but not anyone that's someone you're in love with from a fantasy perspective. It could be really interesting. Bob... Chase, go ahead. Real quick, I just want to connect a couple dots because the number one stack that I'm actually chasing for redraft is going with Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, and then Drake London, who he brought up. They have an advantage schedule in the week 17 they play. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of younger corners over there. Uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Peterson, or no, Patrick Peterson's for the Vikings. They, they did re-sign whoever their, their number three corner was. But Drake London, Kyle Pitts, either one of those guys stacked in a draft with Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown could be like a DFS, like, 
you know, mind blown <laughs> potential <laughs> matchup where you have two bad defenses going up against each other with two offenses that are both, you know, emerging to an extent. And you could end up having probably just from that stack alone, 40 to 50 fantasy points, uh, minimum, minimum, like 40 to 50 fantasy points just from three players. Yeah, and that's actually a really interesting uh, rabbit hole to jump down is looking ahead <laughs> towards the end of the season when you're drafting going, all right, like I- I'm <laughs> just going to plug myself into championship weekend. And when I'm there, what can my guys do then? You know, avoiding matchups towards the end of the season. Uh, how much of, of the end of the season are you really looking at when you're drafting? Bob, I took your question, so. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um I really don't look at it. I'll be honest with you. Um, my whole model has always been built on built for and built on. You got to make the playoffs to win a championship. If you don't make it. You can have the best damn lineup for weeks, 15, 16, 17, but it ain't going to do you a hell of beans if you don't make it. And so that's why I kind of go, Hey, I want to have the players I can count on a week to week um, and get there. If I get there, then I've got a one in four, one in six chance, whatever the to, to win the championship. Um, you know, not that I maybe won't look at it halfway through the season when I'm, you know, maybe I, you know, I'm off to a six and two start. Now I might be looking to make a trade to get some waiver guys to pick up a guy that might be right behind a player, you know, handcuff or a backup that if this guy gets hurt, I could have him for the playoffs. But at the draft, I probably don't pay that much attention. Yeah, Chris? I was going to say, you know, one of the things I, I definitely do pay attention to a degree, I think Bob makes an excellent point, the most important point probably of this whole show, is you got to make the playoffs first. You got to make the playoffs first. If you don't make the playoffs, who cares what you have for the going into the playoff weeks? So I do think that's extremely important. But I think you can keep it in your mind when you're kind of building your roster. Uh, Bob talked about some of the rookies that people drop after the first six weeks because they didn't get off that great start. Well, right. keeping in mind what you're invested in, if I'm going to take a rookie, maybe I'm looking to start in the first six weeks so I have him come playoff time if he gets a stretch. Or running backs where they're looking at guys who are going to have a little bit of wear and tear on them. So you're looking for that stretch, that stretch run. Uh, rookie guys, you know, especially younger running backs, where you'll kind of wait for them to kind of learn how to pass protect. Maybe by midseason, they get a chance to get starting more touches. So like a Michael Carter last year, he kind of carried people for, you know, throughout a stretch where he kind of took over despite not being the guy early in the season, kind of being forgotten about. So I think that's the part I kind of pay attention to. And in particular, I like to like watch for bruising running backs, backups particularly. So like AJ Dillon, for example, some of those guys that, you know, we saw last year that as the season progresses are going to be a pain in the butt to tackle. And we start thinking about like, the weather getting colder, and, and you start thinking about playoff football, teams start playing a little tighter, so teams are getting a little more physical, and a lot of times it's nice to have those running backs to kind of rely on. So I think that's one of the things I kind of look at in, this, you know, in the draft. I'm not necessarily going to spend extra draft capital super early to make sure I have the best lineup for 16, 17, but I'm, I'm going to make sure that maybe when I get to round 15, 16, maybe I'm adding a player here or there. I'm taking a shot looking at, hey, what's the upside for you on my roster down if guys are to kind of, you know, falling off or injuries happen, the what's the upside to kind of ride the second half of that last quarter of the season. Yeah, and the point that I was making earlier is more towards tier drafting, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you have the everything that I say you have to yeah. take back to the, to the core <laughs> of where we started the conversation, where it's tier drafting. So, for example, I have, like, uh, Traylon Burks, Gary Wilson, you know, Drake London all on the same team. For, for redraft leagues. And I'm like, oh, I started out with Kyler Murray. I started out with, with Marquise Brown. 
this right here is going to put Drake London above those two because they're all in the same tier. Um, you know, if I start out with, uh, you know, if I end up with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett or something like that, you know, and, and I know the Jets, or I started with the Jets stack, right? But, you know, the Jets play the Seahawks in week 17, and I have an option to take DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or, you know, versus whoever else. I think you have to take your, your drafting strategy always back to the tier base and never reach for players that, that you don't have a need to reach for, especially when, you know, it's out of line with ADP as well. Yeah, say follow I, the ADP first and then the tier second. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Chris, you spoke on it earlier. Like, uh, the the NFL and fantasy can kind of match in some ways, and I think the best player available uh, kind of approach is certainly even more so in fantasy, really, uh, kind of the more important thing. Because at the end of the day, they're all – value and if you say are super weak at a position continue drafting the value and you can move around you know later on uh you don't you don't have to unless you're in some kind of best ball you don't have to lock in uh the same lineup you drafted uh week one um real quick does anybody remember a time that you know they got in second place and they actually like talk shit to league mates about the time they came in second place because you need to win the championship for your your season to matter (laughs) like you you can like you can come in third place all you want you can come in second place all you want but it doesn't matter unless you win the trophy like unless you're taking home that championship trophy that big one behind you there's yeah like (laughs) this one right here uh or you know the the title belt let me go and throw this up there from trophy smack of course uh you know there's no reason to to you know, even play fantasy. So I'd like to uh, to highlight the, the week 17 stuff, you know, inside of those tiers and the best players available. Yeah, I, I think that is a really good point. Like not necessarily making those decisions only with those in mind, but if you need a quick tiebreaker, um, that's certainly something that's valuable. Um, Bob, I wanted to come back to you and actually chase you inadvertently reminded me of this. Uh, when we were talking about rookies, you mentioned that, uh, the consistency year one normally is super low. Do you kind of, uh, you know, year two, year three program in, I guess, a little bit of a jump for those guys who you knew they were inconsistent, but towards the end they started to light it up. Are you like, all right, I'm going to raise you necessarily above what your rookie year consistency may dictate? Yeah. One of the, the things that I put in every one of the player profiles in the guide is their week-by-week consistency, game-by-game consistency chart showing all 17 weeks um, to show those guys who do make that push. And a lot of, and there's no question that those guys I will move up and really highlight because they won't get the love that they should because people, again, will look at total points. You know, they'll look at their, you know, overall average. And, and it what they're missing out is that, hey, that last six games, that last four games, they really started to gel with the quarterback that's still there. And, you know, um, so, yeah, there's always a th- something that I'm trying to find within the numbers. It's not just one number consistency. And if you're 75 percent, you're great. If you're 50, you suck. No, that's not. It's OK. What other things came into play? You know, did did that their quarterback miss the last five games? Did. They two out of their three offensive linemen be out, so the running backs, their you know, running game struggled. So all those things come into play. It's not just a oh well, he's seventy five percent consistent, so he's good, so you play. Maybe, maybe or if he's twenty, he's not. Um, Allen Robinson was a good example. Chris brought up. You can't look at last year and go, hey, Allen Robinson stinks, <laughs> we shouldn't play him. No, he's going to be the second, 
you know, wide receiver in uh, for the Rams. And guess what? Robert Woods last year through the first six or whatever, seven or eight games that he played, 88% consistency during that time with Cooper Cup also on the field. So number two receiver in L.A. can put up some serious numbers, and Robert Woods was doing that. Um, so, yeah, I'm all like I'm all in with Allen Robinson as a guy. Um, and basically I have him right there with Marquise Brown. Like I'd like to get both of them because I think you can get them in like back to back rounds just because of where they're falling ADP wise. Allen Robinson's a little bit lower um, than Marquise. But, boy, if you can get those two guys as your two, three and with a top tier guy like a Devontae Adams or something, man, I just think you have a, just a golden year at wide receiver. Yeah, that, that's an absolutely really, really good point. Uh, hey, Bob, I got a question for you. Yeah. And I'm sorry to go off topic here, Adam, but I need to get this information <laughs> from Bob because he's okay. the guy, and I have to know this. And I know, you know, we're trying to keep this somewhat, you know, green, but Chase Claypool is such a massive topic right now because mm-hmm. everybody thinks that he went downhill, right? Like, everybody's oh. like, oh, he was great in his rookie year, and then he fell off. But in all reality, the only thing that fell off were touchdowns. However, I do know that he was very hit or miss – Penny coverages and last year Ben Roethlisberger could not hit him deep at all so I'm very curious and you give me a little nod as soon as you're ready because I can keep talking as long as we need to okay <laughs> <laughs> oh we got the numbers bud Chase Claypool uh how you feeling about Chase Claypool this season can we get a little bit of insight to your consistency guide so just to give you the numbers last year 37 the total points he missed two games uh, only 40% consistency, which ranked him 56th amongst all wide receivers. Um, so to say the least, not a lot of love. Um, they definitely targeted Don- Deontay Johnson a lot. Um, they like Fryermuth, but let's be honest, because Big Ben couldn't throw the ball deep. Um, so now we've got Trubisky or Pickett. You know, so what's the trade-off? You know, maybe a little less accuracy, a little more depth. Um I'm, I'm a little, I mean, I'm not going to, if Chase Claypool falls to me as my wide receiver five or six, maybe, but I feel like then there's all kinds of other guys in that area that I'm like, I take a a chance on like, you know, Chris Olave or, you know, Corey Davis, McCole Hardman, Jarvis Landry, who's down in that area. I mean, right now with him in New Orleans, I like him a lot more than I would like Chase Claypool. So. The Injured List podcast. Oh, my God. Down there in the comment. Dude, he's not a tight end. He was never a tight end. He was always a wide receiver. Get out of here. I think they're going to move him to the slot, though. And Mitch Trubisky, while targeting Darnell Mooney, who has similar talents, just less of a physical profile, right. uh, was, I think, 64.3% completion rate while targeting him downfield, if I remember right. And uh, ended up having a, a very high success rate when Mitch Trubisky was on the field because he was able to scramble and make plays, which broke down mm-hmm. the, the safety coverage. So I'm, I'm interested in Claypool, but I can understand this consistency aspect. It scares a lot of people away, but I'm interested. Right. And, it, you know, he has nowhere to go but up based on last year. So that's a good thing. And, you know, he feels he should be a top three receiver anyway. So he's got that kind of – he's got the confidence level <laughs> all over the place. So. He definitely has the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he has metrics similar to uh, to uh, Calvin Johnson, right? Like that was his workout metrics. They were Mapletron. Yeah, he's Mapletron. <laughs> there you go. There we go. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we have a comment once again. He's built like a tight end. I, I don't see he, him his build like a it's tight end. Height outside of tight. He's not yeah. playing tight end. 
No. Yeah, no, he's not a tight end. He'll play. He'll play a big slot uh, in this this yeah. system they have running over there for for the Steelers, and I'm really excited for that. I found it really interesting because part of me wants to join you on that train chase, but it's kind of I feel quarterback dependent on because I with Trubisky I agree because I, I think Trubisky you you make an excellent point you get him breaking out of the pocket you can find a lot of uh, interesting matchups there. I don't know if I feel the same way about Pickett. I don't know which way that that pendulum swinging. A lot of people miss this this other part of the interview, right? Because everybody's so focused on him saying he was wide receiver three. He's like, somebody asked about his quarterback situation. And without him even hesitating, without him even going to Mitch Trubisky, he's like, oh, Pickett's going to create some big-time opportunities for us. He's like, he can move out of the pocket. He's very similar to, to Joe Burrow with being able to navigate with the speed. And he's going to be able to create one-on-one matchups downfield because safety is going to be so concerned about him scrambling. He didn't even bring up Trubisky. And I like Trubisky. I thought Trubisky was going to start. And now... Oh my God, my heart is like on the other side of this. I am so confused. Like I, <laughs> I'm like a like a kid at a middle school dance, not knowing which girl to ask to dance. Like just being a flower on the wall because I'm like, oh my God, what is going to happen at quarterback now? <laughs> I was so sold. I was so sold on Mitch Trubisky being the, the starting quarterback, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to matter, Chase. <laughs> well, from a, a football perspective, no, but I think that their habits as far as which one of the receivers are targeting could be a little bit different. Um, well, just on that real quick, though, like you look at uh, – I'm not a huge fan of Pickett, and I don't think he has the arm strength, but he did fe- you know, feature Adderley a lot last year in college. So he did look for the bigger receiver. He will throw the ball up to the red zone. Um, and I think the, you know, Trish Bisky has similar kind of skill set in a lot of ways – the thing that I think for Chase Claypool is you look at the draft capital spent on Pickens and is Chase Claypool in the Pittsburgh Steelers' future. That would be my concern. Rayleigh may have Kyle played over him a lot last towards the end of the season. Now, when I think of Chase Claypool's upside where I think these kind of guys is, when I get into maybe like around 9 or 10, maybe even a little bit later than that, I'm looking for touchdown producers. So, for example, Mike Williams was a guy like that. I liked at that last year. Mike Williams coming into last year was a great and consistent player. People kind of were down on him. But he's a guy that when he pops off, he gets you double-digit touchdowns. Chase Claypool, to me, is that guy you can kind of take a shot on with that, but I don't think it's the guy you're banking on. We look at, like you talked about, the, the different mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. Harris is going to get a lot of targets. Vermouth is going to get a lot of targets. Johnson is definitely going to get a lot of targets. You draft the Pickens in the second round for Pittsburgh. Like I said, McLeod came back. So you look at all different mouths to kind of feed. I think Claypool could be a guy, but is it somebody I'm you know, still going to jump out to, you know, to go get too high? I mean, it's it's kind of like people aren't acting like Claypool drew over 100 targets his first two seasons, though. Like, I mean, he's gotten over 100 targets in his first two seasons throughout. Now, they were downfield inaccurate targets. So, like, sure, we could say target premium was high, but he didn't see accurate targets, which is a big reason why oh, he yeah. produced. And no. then from what, nine touchdowns down to two this past season. So it's difficult to sit there and assume what we know. But I think they're going to keep Pickens on the outside. And Chase Claypool actually played the highest percentage of snaps on the team uh, in the slot from 2021 into 2022. So I do with the wide zone run scheme, they kind of want to run. It's a weird wide zone run scheme where they want to run a lot of bootleg play action stuff, kind of similar-ish to to Tennessee, but not entirely. I think Mm -hmm. San Francisco might go a very similar way to what they're going to do. But they could use – Chase Claypool on the field in two wide receiver sets and three wide receiver sets, but you chase Claypool in the slot uh, off play action. I mean, you could see some major efficiency off that. I think I've projected right around like uh, 13 uh, air yards per target. Uh, he ends up with like a, a thousand yards and, and 
70 to 80 targets or so, I think is what I have meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think with Pittsburgh, it's especially interesting just kind of looking at like how much of their scheme was what was originally wanted to be ran, which I, I think is a good portion of it. But I'm sure there were some things they were looking at Ben's limitations and going, this changes what I want to do. Kind of when you're yeah. talking about their scheme being ran in a very weird way. Well, it's a lot harder to, you know, do frequent bootlegs like is normally associated with that when you're running with Big Ben versus a Kenny Pickett or a Mitch Trubisky who can uh, have the legs to do that a little bit better. (laughs) All right, right, we'll we'll go through a a thing or two more and then get you guys out of here. Yeah, sorry Uh, for throwing off the show, Adam. I apologize. No, no, no worries. No worries. (laughs) The conversation's important. I hijacked it. No, no worries. Um, all good information, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. As long as the information's good. Um, what what stat do you guys find to be most important? Bob, I think I know your answer, but I'll still field you the question. But Chase, I know you said... I'll go last. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chase, I know you had said, for instance, that you were trying to you know keep uh, the stats kind of lower um, and, and you know make your writing super, super interesting. But at the same time, you've pulled some really good ones. So it's kind of... To me, not putting words in your mouth, but sifting through the bullshit stats and kind of finding the super, super key ones, and then the rest of it's, you know, schemes, just knowing ball, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Bob, you offered yourself last. I'll, I'll take you up on that. But, yeah, guys, what do you uh, – what stats are, are the most important? Chris, you want to start out with this one? Uh, for me, myself, stats, the things that I'm looking at are definitely – you know, what kind of ratios are you using for your passing attack, your rushing attack, those kinds of things? Am I going to look at air yards depending on, you know, the situations? I think there's certain quarterbacks you just know the air yards are going to kind of be different than other guys. So, for example, if I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and looking at Matthew Stafford, if the air yards on Jimmy Garoppolo's are higher than Matthew Stafford's, I'm not going to necessarily bank Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the better guy because the air yards show that he did a better did last year. But I'm looking like, like I talked about, you know, kind of the, the product matching the field. Having said that, you're in for opportunity. If you see a Rams offense, as you know, Bob kind of alluded to, an Al Robinson opportunity, what Robert Woods was doing those first six weeks, you see a, a receiver has a similar profile, but maybe even a bit better in the red zone, then you might be willing to more take a shot on some of those guys where you see the numbers that are, are opportunity there. There are other numbers there to kind of meet the demand. Um, I, I look at targets, but I want to see catch rate or catchable balls is more what I look for targets. So when it comes to numbers, I don't really want to know that you get eight targets how many of those were catchable? Because I see a lot of targets you know, thrown out nine, nine yards out of bounds. Well, that was great, but that didn't help anyone. So when I look at that, where air yards is a big one with that. Well, the guy launched the ball, you know, in his direction, 90 yards out of uh, down the field, but it was air yards, so somehow that matters for the guy next week. Um, Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I want to see, you know, the targets where they kind of catchable balls and where they in situations that the game matters. A lot of times you see garbage yards or garbage points. I want, that's where I got a Bob's consistency. Sometimes you got to kind of read the stat, stat sheets and stat boards and see, does this guy do it this week in, week out? Or is this because they were down by 30 and, you know, he gets, he's a slot receiver and they throw the ball to him nine times. So those kinds of things to me, the matter that stats I'm kind of looking for, consistency is my big thing and looking kind of into those numbers to see what's the numbers I want to see that kind of shows me, are you the consistent player or just kind of catching something at, you know, lightning in a bottle, so to speak. I think season long stats, are the hardest ones to kind of take into consideration because a lot of people forget those three or four games where the guy did nothing and that cost you four games during the season. So that's where you, it matters you know, how many games you win week to week, week out, that where the guy finishes on the board. So I think that definitely matters to my numbers wise. Yeah, I think rushing yards per attempt matter the most. Um, that's my final. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. Good night. Um, <clears throat> no, uh, so uh, for I do a lot of DFS and whatnot, a lot of dynasty stuff. Redraft for me is fun, um, but for uh, for DFS, I developed a metric that I call the dose score. It's a dump off containment efficiency score. It actually measures defense's abilities to contain a running back. And last year it hit at 82% as to where a pass-catching running back who saw at least three targets per game um, on average would end up performing about eight points above a team that was in the bottom half versus the upper half. Uh, teams like the Carolina Panthers were really good at containing pass-catching running backs. The Bears were another team. Actually, the Texans were a really good team as well. I think it had to do with that, that middle linebacker. What was it? Kruger Hill or whatever his name was. Uh, sorry, I don't do DFS. So, sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't do uh, IDP. So, all those IDP guys. Sorry about that. You can run uh, the ball versus those teams as well. That also helps. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you can run the ball really well versus all those teams that you named as well. I think it's a big that's, part of that's it. That's always a part of it. So I actually have all that stuff. It's actually a complicated formula that I learned how to develop through some classes on Code Academy um, to, awesome. to learn how to, to you know code certain things. Because I, I mean, I didn't even own a laptop three years ago. So all this stuff that I've been doing is like through like written paper, all that stuff. Like, so, anyways, um, <laughs> uh, those scores is really important for me in terms of uh, week to week type uh, statistics but in terms of season long or redraft I mean everything changes so much like everything from the system to the, the teams they play and I was sitting there I was thinking about it earlier today and I'm like dude like how are you supposed to predict what's going to happen from season to season after teams play a completely different schedule from the year that they played before that from different head coaches from different this from different that and it's like just trust the people who are, are giving you advice and what to do because they are doing so much more research, you know, in terms of, of the analysts out there. Like, you know, I'm spending 12 hours a day doing research and trying to figure out, you know, this or that or this or that. And it's like the average fan doesn't have time. So find some that you trust. Find some that you like. Find some that you're entertained by. Listen to what they're saying. 
go check it out yourself. Make sure you do your research, right? Because you don't want to just buy a home from somebody that tells you to buy a home, right? Just because they're funny or they're entertaining. You know, you don't want to sit there and go to a conference just because they say it's good. You want to go somebody, you know, like Bob Long, who has the expo, who you know is good and who you have, you know, you have sources who say it's an awesome place to go to. Like, you know, do your research, make sure it's good. But honestly, like, I trust the stats that the, the analysts that I trust put out and the discussions that I have amongst other people and the, you know, research that I do to make sure that the people that are telling me what to do is right. You know, I like to follow that up. But in terms of like people who don't do this full time, like it's very tough to trust any kind of stat or anything because you have so many different variables within the the source. Like it's just, it's impossible to, get a hold on that unless you're spending multiple hours throughout the day on multiple different analytical, you know, platforms. So that that's my advice. You just find somebody, tap into what they're doing and see if what they're doing is the right way. And if so, follow what they do up until you start to get a grasp grasp for it yourself. Yeah. I, <laughs> that that is definitely uh, much more feasible for the average humans. That's that's a good answer. Uh, all right, Bob, <laughs> what, what do you have here? <laughs> no, yeah. um, I mean, obviously, consistency is, right. is the one. But as, as I've said before, and, and, and Chase, I think you kind of I'm going to kind of piggyback off you, too, is oh. you never stop learning in this industry. I don't care how smart you think you are. I don't care how much money you want in high stakes. You never stop learning somebody comes up with something new, different. I mean, like I just learned about Chase thing. I'm very intrigued. I'm going to talk to him after the, we're going to, we're going to start conversing because I want to learn about this. Um, you know, that's, what's great about this community is we all have, you know, our, our talents or our expertise and in, in various things. And then someone comes up with something new and, and, and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. And you read about it and you kind of test it out. Like, like Chase said, you can't take everybody's word for granted, but then start building that, like, I call it, you know, it's kind of like the team around you, you know, the offensive coordinators, defense, you know, basically that's your fantasy, you know, that's your team that you're building, that you're going to rely on, you're going to go to for this information, or that information, because you trust them, and they've helped you win before, and that information was beneficial. There's lots of people out there, so, you know, it's funny because when, when I put together the expo and we had it last year, a lot of people actually kind of in, in a disappointing way said, well, it's just a bunch of analysts. There's no fans that we're, we're talking to. And I went, we're all fans. I mean, I like Jason, I learned as much from that weekend from those people on stage than I would get from being on Twitter for two weeks. Um, <laughs> we should never stop learning. And so – you know, I have my stuff, but I make my tweaks. Trust me, I'm tweaking Marcus Marquise Brown up two points, two slots or three slots this week to get him in the top 15 because Chase is like, yeah, this, this, and that. I'm like, yeah, that's good information. I was not aware of that. Boom. You know, so, you know, you, nobody should have the audacity or the ego to say I'm the smartest guy in the room and what I say is always wins and because I've won 100,000 high states or I won a million dollars in a DFS okay, good for you. Congratulations. And, you know, God bless you because you did it. We didn't, but you know, we're all, we're all always learning. Consistency is just a part of that. And that's what I tried. You know, I always say I'm the fries to the happy meal. 
I'm, you know, I'm not what you're going to rely on, but it still tastes good. And you want to add it to the, to the, to the package and, you know, and tweak your lineups and, and help you maybe build a little stronger because, you know, uh, in a 12 team league, you know, six to eight teams don't make it every year in the playoffs. And if you're the one that doesn't make it and you just miss every year, then I always say maybe having a few more consistent players might help you get those extra one or two games. Um, Anything can happen. Any Jamar Chase versus Kansas City can happen. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, as much as I rely on consistency to help fine-tune my stuff, and it certainly has been beneficial to me, um, I will never say that it's the end all, you know, go get other information, listen to Sirius XM, you know, uh, subscribe to various sites um, that are out there that are, you know, have great information. I mean, listen to people like Chase, Chris, you know, you, Adam, myself, um, listen to the podcast, gather that information, get those tidbits and those nuggets, and then use them to build a draft arsenal that will help you kick ass. And that's what you got to do. I mean, that was an awesome, awesome answer. And I really, <laughs> really wish that I, I we could send her off with that one. But there is one question that I think okay. is super important. What? That was uh, super good. That I was know such it was. A great... <laughs> I, it was like we could just walk out of here with that and it would be amazing. I was about Make to take my headphones off and oh. just, yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Good night. Yes. We love you. But, God. Uh, All right, Bob, can we do that again one more time? Yeah, yeah. After I'll do it this too. Yes, yes. Um, but this is, I think, going to be really important for, and Chase, I really loved how you directed your answer towards the average person playing fantasy football, and this is what I think is important. How do you take into account the bye week for when you're drafting? Because I think it's something that falls in beneath the, or between the cracks, so to speak, for a lot of people drafting, and then they they finish their draft, and then they hadn't even looked at the bye weeks until, um, you know, <laughs> they drafted, and they go, Oh, <laughs> I have six people <laughs> who are uh, taking buys at the same time. So how much is that something that you're taking into account versus not? So bye weeks for me, I just want to make sure that I either go all in on one bye week or I don't do multiple weeks that screw me over. So like I don't want to do my first round pick and my fourth round pick and my seventh round pick on the same bye week. Meanwhile, I have my second and my third and my eighth round pick on another bye week so that's giving me two losing weeks meanwhile you could do with injuries and stuff that could derail you but you're pretty much signing with death warrant when you end up having two different sets of players on multiple bye weeks or on two bye weeks uh so you just want to avoid that um outside of that like you know there's been uh studies done as to like hey you should do all your your players on one bye week or you should get all your players spread out honestly i don't think it matters i think if you lose one week because your bye weeks whatever but there are injuries there are other stuff that that matters far more the bye weeks that we cannot predict uh moving forward so like dude don't worry about it like for the most part just make sure you don't end up with and i've done it in one of my leagues yeah. where i ended up with uh, three players on one bye week and three players on the other, and they were all top ten or top eight picks, I think. So that ended up losing me two big weeks. Then my quarterback was out. The guy that I ended up trying to stream didn't work in another bye week. So yeah, be careful with stacking players. Be careful with you know, especially divisional stacks. I think is a big one uh, where you know your divisional stacks uh, where you try to counterbalance your lineups can end up completely destroying your opportunities especially if you have one injury or two uh just be careful that outside of that like who cares about bye weeks i mean it's just one week a year 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's probably the, the, the perfect answer is just don't <laughs> either go all in or spread it out. Don't screw yourself twice. I mean, that's uh, more or less. Try to beat cool. that, Bob. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here, here's my answer. Don't care. Never will. Haven't worried about it. Because guess what? The other teams all have bye weeks too. So yeah. if you got some top players out week 12, 14, guess what? Probably the team you're playing has them out. And if they don't, okay, it happens. But there's going to be weeks that you win because they have bye weeks. I never worry about bye weeks. I don't care. I don't even look at it. The only time I think I look at it is in super flex leagues where I got to make sure I got two quarterbacks always playing every week. So I get my third quarterback, make sure that they don't have the same. That's the only time I work, I think. Or in the Scott Fishbowl. Just saying, because this year is wild with the scheduling. <laughs> right. Scottfish Bowl is just well, it's just crazy in the first place. So God, only eleven regular. Just go in and draft the best players and hope it works out because it's just hard. Only eleven regular season games though, so twelve, thirteen, fourteen are all full bye weeks for that. That's crazy, right? And there's some good teams off those weeks too. I know it's like Green Bay, Kansas City. I I was looking at it. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to give me an injury. That that one's, but that one's unique. It's always unique. I mean, crazy stats and. (laughs) And wild setups, and so yeah, that one's just you. You can't even you can't do a podcast on that. You just <laughs> hope and pray that it all works out for you. <laughs> and if you guys don't know what the Scott Fishbowl is, it's the biggest tournament uh, for fantasy football. It's also the biggest charity drive. I think they raised over seventy five thousand dollars last least, year. Maybe they, I thought they went over a hundred, but yeah, it, it might have been over a hundred by the time it was across the done. nation. With all, I think that's various wait, people oh, no, do no. various things. Yeah. I think it was the potathon that raised seventy five grand. Right, as I say, I thought that. Yeah, right. Yeah, Sorry, maybe what, or they. It was a lot. It was it was an immense amount of money, but they give it to Toys for Tots, amongst many other charities. Right. So make sure you go check out hashtag SFB twelve on Twitter. Uh, we got a little bit working over there on Trophy Smack on Instagram uh, as well as Facebook. Go check it out, the Scott Fishbowl. If you guys search what is Scott Fishbowl, he actually has just had an article written by Nate Povel recently. Uh, and he explains what the Scott Fishbowl is, long as or as long with explaining what it meant to him as well. So go check. And that this out. year with the live locations, I know you you you're, you're going well. I'm I'm doing one in Canton. We're going to be overlooking the Tom Benson Stadium for our draft, so that's going to be fun. And that's uh, sick. The Hall of Fame Village, and you know, I know Trophy Smack is going to. Ha- I want to go to Trophy Smack. I don't even go to my own. <laughs> it's going to be so. I know, Matt. It's going to be so badass. It's going to make everybody sick. It really is. I don't even want to try to compete with that. I pitched in Matt. Matt's like, we might not even be moved in by then to the new office. And I'm like, I'm like dude, we the... have to do it. He's like, all right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll just, we'll just rent out SoFi. <laughs> I know that Matt. That would be incredible. He probably would rent out SoFi. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, guys. I, I, I think we can um, leave it there. Of course, uh, Bob, what do you got coming out next? What What are the, the next big steps in your world? Um, of course, you know, as I said here, everybody buy your fantasy football consistency guide on Amazon.com. Yeah, um, link should be in the, the YouTube and Facebook. Sorry, but uh, okay. descriptions as well. So I, okay, I did throw that in there. Perfect. Um, follow me on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. And of course, as Chase said, you guys will be there. Please do not miss the Fantasy Football Expo. And the website to get your tickets is thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Follow on Twitter at the FF Expo. Uh, that'll give you up to date information. 
Um, like Chase said, it's going to be a wild one this year. To the we got two parties Friday and Saturday night. Friday night's party's got a cornhole tournament. There's only ten spots left for that. Saturday night flag football tournament inside the dome at the Football Hall of Fame Village and a quarterback skills challenge for charity uh, inside the party. So awesome. don't miss it. Expo then all day Sunday. Learn so much. There's so many new topics this year. We added everything you could think of. We added auction, DFS, sports betting, all the stuff we didn't get to last year, completely blowing out wide open. We got four different rooms going at the same time for the panel discussions, but we're recording every one of them and everybody who goes will be able to have access to the videos after the fact so that if you missed one because you wanted to go here versus there, don't worry about it. You can watch them after the fact. So don't miss this. It's a great time. Yeah, yeah might have it even happen. We might even have a little open bar over there at the Trophy Smack uh, place. Uh, we, we we'll be making the drinks there, chat, and using the background of yours, Chase. Yeah, I actually will be making some cocktails. I'm I'm very excited Ooh. to be doing that. So I, I had Matt reach out to you. He, he said we were good to go, right? You good to go? Sure. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. It's very exciting. I'm, very I'm sure that just, as long as you don't sell it, I think you're fine. Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's keep it on the down low. We'll be we'll be kind of hidden in the lower level. Of this place nobody really gets. Perfect, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, perfect segue, Chase. Um, you know what's what's big in your world as well coming up? God, trophies are big, man. He says trophies. <laughs> that is a very big thing immediately in your world. <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. So we got an estimate. Uh, what'd you say? Ten pounds in the belt. What What are we looking at here? I can't do even do one bench press of this. I can't. I can't. It's too heavy. All right. So what's your bench max? Uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Like fifty like pounds, right there. Three fifty. <laughs> fifty pounds. <laughs> no, these things are awesome, man. These trophies are sick. Like they're legit. You know, I did a post earlier of JJ Watt, or I'm sorry, of uh, Rob Gronkowski doing the the Gronk spike. <clears throat> You know, and somebody's like, "Oh, he'd probably destroy that." And I'm like, "I actually don't know if he'd be able to destroy that with a Gronk spike." I know he yeah. dented the Lombardi, but I don't think he'd be able to break one of these trophies because they're so heavy duty. But you know, you have the trophies over there. You got the belts, right? But you can actually customize these, like get rid of all this and then put your own image in there, which was great for Father's Day, great for pretty much any occasion. We actually had mothers that were reaching out for it for Mother's Day. That was fun. There you go. Yeah, it was really cool because like you had all these <laughs> sweet pictures of like dads throwing their kids up. And catching their kids. And then you had like moms like in the kitchen, like mad. And those were the belts of the (laughs) kids. It was so funny, man. It was so funny. But uh, no, you guys can go check it out over there, trophysmack.com. Once again, that's trophysmack.com. We have a bunch of new products coming out. We're experimenting with a wheel, like a punishment wheel, essentially, right now. We have a dunce cap that I think we're rolling out. We have a champ chain that's rolling out where it goes over your neck. Oh, it, it's crazy, man. It, it's it's really cool to see it expanding. Make sure you guys go check us out for you know some a little bit of fantasy football advice, but more so some smack talk. Uh, recently, we released some articles based off the best foods to bring to your live drafts, the uh, the best locations to do for your live drafts, and we're gonna have some some Scott Fishbowl advice as to where your strategy should lie, and also who you should reach out to for the most helpful people. Uh, we will be coming out with fantasy football expo stuff as well as to uh you know who you should go to at the fantasy football expo who you should talk to you know hopefully we'll be able to to collab with bob and, and talk about some of the events you know and, and yeah. put that on Jack, Trophy Smack is making the the 
the awards for all three of those events that I mentioned. Dude, I'm stoked for Cornhole. I'm really, really stoked for flag football, but I didn't even know there was a quarterback challenge, man. I'm, I'm getting yeah, we have. Now. I mean, it's been kind of announced, but yeah, so three stations, throwing it targets, throwing in deep to buckets, um, throwing it like blow up wide receivers with their hands yeah. up together thing. It's it's going to be a blast, and we're going to do it for charity. Uh, haven't haven't got the charity. If all else fails, fantasy cares, but I'm trying to work on some different angles to yeah, get a little bit charity, different, man. maybe local or something like that. So, awesome. yeah, awesome. there's a lot of stuff, different stuff going on, man. So I'm just excited to be a part of the fantasy football community. Thank you guys for having me on, by the way. Yeah, this thank has you. Been yeah, awesome. right. Uh, you know, sorry, Chris. I feel like you know, for <laughs> Chris, yeah, he's he, all great. He got a bad draw tonight going against you tonight. We get enough, Chris, on most weeks, so all, all, all good. All there, good. Yes. Speaking of, Chris, where, where are we going to find you upcoming on a Belly Up MDFF show? Well, first, I just want to say, you know, thank you very much for Bob and Chase coming on. I really appreciate you. you guys, and I'm really looking forward to the expo. I, you know, Bob, I've only been to Canton twice. I got to go to the Hall of Fame twice to see when people get inducted. But I, you talk about the town. It's very welcoming town. It's not just going to be, mm-hmm. you know, people kind of bringing a welcoming atmosphere to a welcoming town. I think that's just a match made in heaven, so I love what you're doing there. I'm excited. Um, as for MDs, yes, um, we're having a guest that you guys might have heard of. His name is Adam. Uh he might be a, a co-guest of mine, or I'm sorry, co-host of mine here. So Adam will be joining us this uh, Thursday night at 10 o'clock on MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we'll be continuing our, doing our team profiles. We'll be covering the AFC South. We're bringing Adam as our, our designated Colts uh, Homer fan. <clears throat> but uh, no, no, I think Adam will bring his great advice into our show. We're really excited to continue to bring down the team profiles for you guys. Yeah, yeah, excited. Definitely excited. Uh, get a, a day day break and get right back into talking some fantasy on the air with you guys. Um, I yeah. want to bring Chase's uh, – when I come into the, the expo, I want to have one of those, like two of those things on my shoulders and I'm walking <laughs> in. I think that's Did you see the video with Matt, with, it. with the owner, Matt Walsh? He was walking with 16 of them. He had eight on each nice. shoulder. Very nice. That's like a so workout. Bad. He yeah, was sweating so bad after his belt. He's like, my shoulders hurt for two weeks after putting those belts on my shoulders. But That's he had to bring them for the King's Classic. There you go. There you go. I'll be training um, at, with Bob and trying to get ready for all these challenges. I'm excited for the Expo challenges as well. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Bob and I were talking before the show. I didn't realize there was cornhole. I just signed up. Uh, you just today. signed up, yeah. I'm exactly. very excited. Uh-oh. Only about 10 to 12 spots left. That's about the only the only thing that Indiana has to offer is some some corn. <laughs> so that's it's, all we have time to do. <laughs> exactly, um, we're all out of shape. We can't do flag football. <laughs> At least I am. I uh, me too. <laughs> How many teams are signed up for? Or have we done signed for flag yet? Uh, flag and quarterback skill challenge will be coming out in the next week or so. We're kind of doing it so that people can get signed up, get it full, go to the next one. Um, so we'll be coming out with that. We'll. Um, just a, a quick, it's going to be uh, eight eight player teams, five on five. It's kind of a mini tourney. So team A will go first from the 35-yard line. They have four plays to either get as many yards or score a touchdown. Then as soon as they're done with their four plays or they score, then the next team B takes over, 35-yard line. And they've got to beat whatever team A does. So if team A scored in two plays, they got to score in one play. If they score in two, it's a tie. Then we have a one-play tie. Uh, so that's how we're going to do it. We're going to have real refs. I've hired four local refs that do done high school games for 20 years. So they will be there in full uniforms, 
so we're gonna have all kinds of little special rules to kind of keep it keep it safe but keep it fun um but that'll all be coming out here in the next week or so i'm bringing my cleats <laughs> right, it's on astroturf i mean i don't know how well that does on astroturf but no Weird steel enough. spikes though no we're, we're, no, we're, no we're, i don't think we're we're <laughs> gouging anybody here um <laughs> anyway all right, guys. My, my last, <laughs> my last little thing to plug is the Belly Up Bowl. We're doing the third annual uh, again with Alex's Lemonade Stands. The second straight year with uh, Alex's Lemonade Stand, third overall. Um, so go ahead, go to BellyUpFantasySports.com, sign up for that. It'll be super fun. Uh, it'll be on Sleeper uh, Best Ball League. Uh, should it be super fun? Um, we have had uh, so far over twelve or twenty four hundred. Uh, of donations to St. Jude's and Alex's Lemonade Stand through the Belly Up Bowl. So super excited to have that uh, for a third year. Make sure, again, you go Adam, sign up. If I, can, if I can offer up some free consistency guides, PDS to give away to entice people to uh, sign up, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to. You should send them one page, Bob. Just send them one page so that way they have to buy the whole thing. You will get a random page of the consistency guide. Just a random one. I'm going to break one manual. You get 20 manuals and give away. <laughs> You're going to mail them in an envelope. It's We're getting a, a timed P- <laughs> a timed PDF. You have 24 hours to read it. Good luck. Sorry about the viruses. It, it gives to you after it explodes. My bad. <laughs> My bad. All right, guys. Thank you guys so, so yep. much for Thanks coming. Thanks very much. everyone for watching. Uh, we appreciate you. Cheers. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.